Hello and welcome back to Who Turned Out the Lights. Today we'll be discussing how Catholic education saves the poor where government fails. My guest today is Eric Allen, a faculty member of the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education. As with the majority of my guests, Eric has enjoyed a variety of vocations that I feel give him a rich perspective from which to judge the issues that we discuss. Mr. Allen, thank you for joining us today. You bet. Glad to be here with you. So would you mind giving us um, some background on you and how you got to where you are now concerning liberal arts education? Mm, wow. Well, uh, you're speaking with someone who's 58 years old, so I could uh, answer that question at length, but I'll, I'll keep it brief. So yeah, so I, I began really right out of college as an educator. I was a high school French teacher. And uh, even prior to that, I had been kind of wrestling with and, and sensing a call to ministry. And at the time, I was a Protestant, a Calvinist, a Presbyterian. And so I went to seminary, had uh, some experience in ministry where education was a big part of that, of course. And then I actually ended up uh, losing my faith about the year 2000 mm -hmm. and spent about 10 years um, uh, away from the faith. And I never denied the existence of God, but I... Uh, just kind of got to a point where I was no longer convinced that Christianity was true. Uh, but gradually, um, through a lot of uh, different avenues, uh, I came back to my faith, um, but I came back as a Catholic rather than as a Presbyterian. And so I entered the church in uh, 2016. And, um, and all that time while I was kind of out, of out of the faith, I was working in law enforcement and then got back into education in, at the college level and the public school level. And when I, became in, uh, when I became a Catholic, I was actually teaching at a public charter school. And it was that experience of being a Catholic and teaching within a, a public classical educational model that really brought me to where I am today. Uh, because uh, kind of the way I, I like to put it is that as a public school teacher and as a Catholic, I, I could never complete my sentences, right? I could only say so much, and then I had to stop because of the restrictions on free speech that public school teachers uh, have to submit to. Mm -hmm. So um, long story short, I uh, learned about an organization called the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education, uh, which exists to help bring renewal to Catholic schools and also help start new schools. And so I came on with ICLE in uh, the summer of last year, actually. Cool. So how has your experience been there so far? Oh, it's, it's been incredible. Uh, it, it has been amazing. Um, yeah, it, it really is. Uh, we're, we're a small, um, we're, in Catholic circles, we call it an apostolate. It's kind of like what in Protestant circles you might call a um, uh, parachurch ministry, I guess you, you would say. So um, <clears throat> yeah, we work with mostly really small little Catholic schools all over the country. And it's, it's very easy to get discouraged if you just sort of read the news about what's happening across America and what's happening in churches, both Protestant and Catholic. You, know, you can kind of be discouraged. But visiting all these little schools across the country, it's so encouraging to see uh, what God is doing. And there's just these little pockets of very faithful people, you know, working with children and, and bringing them up to, to know and love the Lord. So uh, I'm having a great time. I'm sure that's amazing to get to see. Mm -hmm, it is. So, <clears throat> excuse me. 
What is the big difference between a liberal education and a Catholic liberal education? And which, do you, which one do you think is more beneficial? Uh, okay. Well, so we really have to define our terms there, right? Um, in terms of what we mean by each of those. So as I said, the, the institute I work for is the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education. The word liberal in the name of our institute is kind of shorthand for liberal arts. All right. So it's not a political statement. It's really a well, you could think of it as a philosophical statement, right? Uh, a pedagogical statement. It's a statement about the importance and the centrality of the liberal arts in educating children. And so I think that what the, the difference between, say, a secular model of a liberal arts education, you might think of like the school I worked in, a, a public charter school that is uh, you know, a classical school, right? Um, they would see themselves as part of the liberal arts tradition, and, and they are. I think the difference uh, when this is part of the Catholic tradition is two things. One is the liberal arts tradition was, uh, has its roots in the Greco-Roman world, mm -hmm. uh, in, in the ancient world. But as Christianity grew and became the faith of medieval Europe, uh, the medieval church embraced that classical liberal arts education and reformed it, right? Mm -hmm. Redeemed it and, and, and made all the connections that all the things the Greeks and Romans got right, um, embraced those and then corrected all the errors and, and, and really enriched it where Christ is at the very center. So I think that's the key difference between, say, uh, uh, a liberal arts school that is within the Catholic tradition and your public, say, charter classical school, is that for us, uh, Christ is at the very center of everything we do, everything we teach. Uh, it's all oriented towards him. Okay, cool. So, okay, uh, thank you for that response. That helps clear up some things. So for a long time, uh, Catholic schools have been known for lifting urban kids out of poverty. Um, I'd like to read you a paragraph from a city journal article and get your response to it. Okay, and I quote, Catholic schools, particularly those serving the children of the poor, have been hemorrhaging students for 40 years. As a result, half of the nation's Catholic schools have closed and enrollment losses continue to outpace shutterings, imperiling most of the remaining schools. We risk seeing the whole system collapse, perhaps leaving behind some elite schools in affluent areas and a few in disadvantaged ones. The public should be deeply worried about that scenario. As research since the 1980s has shown, Catholic schools do a stellar job of educating the urban poor. In New York City, for instance, parochial students consistently outscore their public school counterparts on city and state tests. Most remarkably, the more disadvantaged the students, the better they perform relative to their public school peers. In New York's inner city Catholic high schools, over 80% of disadvantaged minority students graduate on time, almost doubling the public school rate. The schools accomplished all of this despite spending just $10,000 per high schooler, a far cry from the New York public schools, $21,500. So how would you respond to this quote? Are we losing something vital as the number of Catholic schools dwindles? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I had not heard that quote. That's fascinating, but I'll, I'm not surprised to hear those uh, statistics. Yeah, so, you know, the, the, the Catholic approach to education and really the Catholic approach to life, as I said, is centered on Christ. And 
um, within the Catholic tradition, education is seen as a spiritual work of mercy. Mm -hmm. All right. So the Catholic Church divides works of mercy between corporal works of mercy and spiritual works of mercy. Corporal works of mercy would be like feeding the poor, right? Um, it's taking care of the, the human body, right? Um, education is a spiritual work of mercy. So it's something that's right at the very uh, heart of our tradition, right? Very much part of our moral philosophy is to reach out um, and instruct uh, the ignorant, right? Uh, using that word not in a pejorative way, but just mm -hmm. those who need to learn, right? Yeah. And and coupling that with the the mission to reach the poor, uh, that really brings those two together in these inner city schools. So yeah, absolutely. Um, the the closing down of so many Catholic schools is is a tragedy for the poor. It's not only, and I, I want to kind of expand it beyond that because. Part of the Catholic mission of education is not just teaching the individual student, right? Because we are on a, on mission, and our mission is uh, to reach the whole family and to reach the community. So when we lose a student, we not only lose the student, but we lose the opportunity to reach that family and the opportunity to reach the neighborhood in which that family lives. So when a school shuts down, it's not just impacting those children that are not going to get this education. It really is... The, the absence of an opportunity to bring renewal uh, from a Christian perspective into a neighborhood. So yeah, absolutely, that, that is something very sad. Why do you think these numbers are shrinking? Like some have suggested that uh, when teaching religious orders, like nuns who taught in schools started to shrink, um, the schools lost an inexpensive source of labor and had to raise rates above what some of the inner city people could afford. Was this a key problem or have you seen others? No, I think you have identified at least uh, what was an initial uh, cause of the decline of Catholic education in America. Uh, was after Vatican II, many of the religious orders did pull out of uh, the task of educating the youth and a lot of good people stepped in to take their place. A lot of laity did. And they had good hearts. They had good intentions. They didn't want to see their schools closed. Um, but uh, as the laity didn't have this tradition of educating the youth in the way that the religious orders did, the laity kind of looked around and said, well, how do we do this? We've never done this before. And what they saw when they looked around for a model was the public school. Mm -hmm. And uh, clearly not everything about public education is wrong or bad. Like I said, I've, I've been in public education for a lot of my uh, career, but uh, it is not the model for the church's approach to education. Mm -hmm. And so what happened was that in Catholic schools, they began to look a lot like a public school. Mm -hmm. The big difference being a crucifix on the wall and maybe beginning the day with prayer or something like that. But at the end of the day, the so many of our Catholic schools just turned into kind of mirror images of the public school. Mm -hmm. So they cease to be a viable alternative. And because they have less funding, they're not able to offer kind of the, the bells and whistles, right? That a lot of public schools can in terms of, you know, like a, a, an exciting athletic program, right? Or a very robust music program or something like this. So, so students have gradually been uh, kind of bleeding off into the public school system. Okay. And that brings me to something from another podcast. The name eludes me, but about your organization, they said when Catholic schools re-embrace their own tradition, 
they start to grow. And it sounds like from what you were saying, that really is the case. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So, so as I mentioned, I came on with the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education last summer. The reason they hired me and the reason they hired about six or seven other uh, folks at the same time is because in the last two years, our membership, our school membership has tripled. Mm-hmm. And there's been an, a, a, there's an amazing renewal going on in Catholic education where uh, school leaders and teachers, uh, pastors, parishioners are, are realizing there, there should be something unique about Catholic education. And our job is to kind of come in and help them recover that, that uniqueness, right? What, what makes this Catholic as opposed to being just a mirror image of the public school system? And so, yeah, we've, we're, we're definitely seeing growth and many of our schools are experiencing that. Uh, I mean, we're rejoicing in it, but it's also presents a bunch of new challenges as well. You know, mm-hmm. when you're, you've been going along for five or 10 years and, and you all of a sudden in the course of a year or two experience, uh, you, you double your enrollment. Well, that's, that's, that's a challenge, right? <laughs> yeah. But a good one to have, I guess. Yeah. Yes. Yes. As I understand it, um, many years ago, Catholic leaders tried to see if they could get some of their own tax money sent back to them to fund Catholic schools. Um, But the anti-Catholic sentiment was very strong, and they were told, no, you can't use tax dollars for sectarian purposes. The tax dollars can only go to public schools, or as they called them, common schools at the time. Um, These schools will be neutral in matters of religion, and nothing will be forced upon the students. in fact, the, I think, as you might know, the man who injected the wall of separation between church and state and kind of got this whole, um, the tax dollars are only for uh, public schools, he was a KKK member and an anti-Catholic. So does it seem fair to you that parents who decide to send their kids to Catholic schools have to pay twice for education, once for the Catholic schools that they're sending their kids to, and again for the public schools? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, and, you know, I, I, I think it requires a, a bit of nuance to answer. On, on the one hand, yeah, just, you know, prima facie, there's something unfair about that, right? Um, that, you know, Catholics are American citizens as well. And, and so the, the money that is taken out of our income ostensibly to be used for education, well, it seems like it ought to be able to circle back to the education of our own children mm-hmm. uh, within a school that we think is best for them. Uh, on the other hand, uh, another aspect of being an American citizen is that we have duties to the state, right? Render to Caesar what is Caesar's. And there is a great deal just because of the history of the relationship between the state and the church uh, in, in America. There, there is suspicion about seeing those tax dollars come back because it usually comes back with obligations, right? With strings attached. And so a lot of our schools, even if they had the opportunity to receive uh, government funding, turn it down because they don't want the government getting a foothold in the school, mm. right? They really want to stay independent. And so it's, I, I think given the, the state of affairs in America right now, um, we're, we're sort of content not having that money come our way mm-hmm. <laughs> and are willing to make the sacrifices and, and whatever suffering may be involved to, to, to protect our schools. But we would think it would be more just, as you suggested. I think it would be more just 
if we eventually got to the point where uh, the American populace recognized that, yes, we, we do have not only an obligation to educate our own children, um, but the, the monies that we provide for that to the government should circle back. So yeah. it's kind of a both and answer yeah. to your question. <laughs> no, absolutely. I totally understand that. So some things that has been suggested is that the government allows parents to use vouchers to send their kids to Catholic school. Would this present the same problem that you mentioned beforehand about government getting a foothold in the Catholic school? Uh, not necessarily, you know, it, it, uh, and uh, I, I do live in a voucher state. And so it, it is possible to have it set up to where the strings are not attached. And if, you know, if it were set up that way, I think that would be really the ideal. Um, but you just have to be vigilant, right? And, and recognize that it's not the nature of government to give power away, right? Mm -hmm. It's the nature of government to accumulate more power. Yeah. And so as long as we're wary of that, uh, then, you know, I, I think we can do that um, without much fear. Mm -hmm. And some people say, oh, this violates the wall of separation between church and state. How would you respond to that? Well, yeah, so I think that's a, a naive claim, a naive uh, sort of premise to that. Uh, and the naivete comes in the idea that the state is somehow ideologically neutral, mm -hmm. right? Whereas the church is ideologically committed to something. Um, but th there's nothing neutral about any truth claim that you make, whether, you know, the, the, very, the very claim that um, the church has no right to influence education is itself a, an ideological claim, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and so, um, and, and again, I was in public education for years and what goes on in the classrooms in public education is just as ideologically driven as what goes on in a Catholic classroom. It's just a different ideology. And so th this idea that we can sort of be neutral and not have any kind of ultimate commitment, philosophical commitment in the classroom is just, uh, it, it's really, it's just not true, mm -hmm. right? It's just philosophically naive. Yeah. What about charter schools? I think before your work with Catholic education, you taught in a charter school, is that correct? Yes. So how is Catholic education different from the charter school world? Well, it's, um, you know, a, as a, teacher in the, uh, okay, so in the charter school world, at least in North Carolina, where, where I worked, the charter school is able to set its own curriculum. Mm -hmm. uh, the charter school owns its own property, owns the building, owns the school buses, owns the chairs and the books and all that. Uh, the only money that comes into the charter school from the state uh, pays the salary of the employees. All right, that's the only money that charter schools get in North Carolina. And so there's a, there is a great deal of freedom in terms of the curriculum in a charter school, a lot more freedom than you would have in a typical public school. However, uh, they, uh, charter schools, because they are public institutions, are still uh, sort of, uh, they're still under the uh, restriction of the, the separation of church and state. Mm -hmm. So I could never, as a public school teacher, pray in class, right? Mm -hmm. 
Um, I, I was even at risk of, a, you know, as a Catholic, um, as you know, we, we use icons as, as aids to prayer. Mm -hmm. And I had icons on my desk and I was at risk doing that, right? I was kind of pushing the envelope there that I, I could have gotten in trouble about that. Mm -hmm. So um, those kind of things, uh, charter schools are not as independent or free as a lot of people think. And charter schools still have to administer the state mandated tests for their mm -hmm. students. Um, that kind of stuff is not true in a, particularly in a, an independent Catholic school, right? Um, it may be, there, there, I should clarify here, there are two, simply put, two kinds of Catholic schools. One is independent, meaning they're not under the authority of, directly under the authority of the church, all right? Mm -hmm. So they would be under the authority of um, a board of directors. The other kind of Catholic school is what's called a diocesan school. And this is a Catholic school that is directly under the authority of the church, meaning that they have a superintendent who is employed by the church, right? And some of our diocesan schools have adopted state standards. And so you can go into a Catholic school, particularly if it's diocesan, and very often um, the charter school will actually have more liberty than the diocesan school. So it's mm -hmm. kind of ironic. Well, just to wrap up, if people would like to learn more about um, the Institute for Catholic Liberal Education, where can they go? Uh, we have a website, catholicliberaleducation.org. Okay, perfect. Well, nice and succinct. Uh, Mr. Allen, thank you so much for joining us today. You bet. I appreciate it.